Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. It's great to be part of this amazing series uh, on Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'm Barry Watley, uh, a friend of um, the church here, and Dave invited me invited me to be part of the preaching team this summer, and you had the younger Watley a few weeks ago. Uh, We're exploring uh, this peerless passage of Romans uh, chapter 8. One commentator says that that, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans is like the Himalayas of uh, the New Testament. And Romans 8 is certainly the Everest of the chapter. So I'd, I'd like to read the passage before we jump into it. Uh, we start in verse, verse 16. Um, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be re- revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And then just the start of verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So I've got a great section of the chapter to share with you this morning. Paul has been giving us a roadmap for navigating the challenges and questions of life, dealing with the great and epic struggles we all face as humans, as Christians. How can we live faithfully with God in this world in light of all the struggles that assail us? How can we experience the good that God has for us in light of all that is wrong in the world and in ourselves? The challenge before us in this passage we're looking at this morning, is how to find full life and hope in the midst of struggle and suffering. That's why I've titled my message, The Horizon of Hope. Paul wants us to be a people of hope in the midst of the shadowed valley, when circumstances without and struggles within can overwhelm us. Paul has been describing for us in the previous verses all the blessings and freedom we have in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, verse 15 We read this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit who adopts us and ushers us into the family of God and gives us our foundational identity and belonging and intimacy, Abba, Father, our greatest resource to know that we belong and are loved. And I want to consider that as the the light within Paul will be taking us into some dark territory here in, this, in the verses that follow. 
He'll be describing the shadowed valley through which we must walk, where there is brokenness, corruption that impacts our lives and those around us and even the creation. Sufferings that even parallel those of Christ. As we walk that road, our greatest resource is the light, the inner light that we are loved, communicated to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. I am God's beloved child. I am precious to him, loved by him. So we can walk forward with a confident step because of who we are and whose we are. We see that in a child that comes from a home where there's love and security. Even as he grows and faces the challenges and the shadows of his uh, young life, he has that security of knowing that he's loved by his parents. The Christian life is one of struggle. And Paul is helping us with this great teaching to realize that to have the perspective and the resources we need to make it through, we, we need that perspective and these res- inner resources. The str- there's a struggle within and there's a struggle without. So in, in verse 17, uh, Paul introduces this section. He says, we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then he's going to lead us on a little bit of a detour, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So he's going to take a, a little bit of a, of a journey with us then into an understanding of the suffering that we'll face in our Christian lives. It's not an option, Paul says here and elsewhere. Uh, We will suffer with him. In this world, Jesus says, we will have suffering. And Paul talks about it here as the sufferings of the present time. One author describes it as living on the turbulent line. We don't have it easy in the Christian life. There's no fast track to glory. God does not exalt us over the problems of this life. There is a spiritual reality we tap into, and we've been looking at that in the other verses. There's an an inner battle with sin in the flesh that the Spirit helps us with. But there's also an outer battle with our circumstances and even with spiritual forces which are aligned against us. In the midst of all that, God is working out a plan of redemption and full restoration of our lives, our bodies, and even of the whole creation. But this pathway to glory is through the shadowed valley of struggle and suffering. So as we face the sufferings of the present time, we need light. We need the inner light, and we need an outer light. So our greatest resource then is, this, is the inner resource, the inner light, and we see this uh, at the end of the, of, the, of the section here in verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So Paul begins this passage, this section, talking about the Spirit who testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And he, he bookends the passage with this promise again that the Spirit is with us, helping us in our weakness. So this inner light is the, is the inner resource we need to face the challenges of life. But we need more than the inner light. Uh, we need also, we need that secure, inner security, but we also need an outer light. We need a beacon to help us and guide us into the future. If the inner light of, of God's love and his presence reminds us of our belonging, the outer light of his promises and his promises for the future provide us with a beacon, provide us with significance that our lives count, that God has a purpose in history and a purpose with our lives as well. 
We need this outer light. We need a place to, to lift our gaze when we face the shadows in the dark valley. This is the light of hope that Paul is talking about in this passage. And several, several expressions help us understand what Paul is referring to here when he talks about the light of hope. Verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 21, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And then in verse 23, we, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So Paul is telling us in this passage that God has begun a work in us and he also has a work that he's pursuing both in us and in the world around us. And what God has started in us is not finished yet. There's more for us and there's more for the creation. For us, we already belong. And we've been looking at it in this passage. We already have a measure of freedom. But we still struggle with the realm of the flesh. That old programming, that old system of lies and half-truths that wreak havoc in our lives. We are no longer slaves to that old master, but he still tries to steal in and rob us of our freedom and our joy in Christ. So there's more yet that God has for us. But we think, we think about our bodies. We still carry the corruption of a broken world. We still are all dying. We all have our rendezvous with death, every one of us. Our bodies are not free from sickness and suffering and aging, as we all know too well. There is a fulfillment both for our spirits and for our bodies that Paul is talking about here. One day, we will be completely free from the corrupting influence of sin and death and sickness. One day, our mortal and feeble bodies will be clothed with immortality. And Paul is talking about that here. Well, while we wait, we groan. We say, how long, O Lord? We long for the fulfillment of God's promises for us and for our bodies. But God is also not finished with creation. The created world is not yet free. The corruption is still there as well. The decay is there. All is not well in the world. You may have noticed as you walk around our, our, our forest wooded areas here in Quebec how the emerald ash borer is destroying every ash tree in sight. Other corners of the world are facing droughts and famine. We all have heard too much about the coronavirus and now the, the Delta variant. <laughs> but the greatest killer of all uh, is not uh, COVID. It is malaria in our world today. So there's a struggle. All is not well in our world and creation. There's a longing, a groaning that, that creation would be set free. And, and as we wait, we wait in hope. We have a promise that God is working out his plans both for us and for the created world. There is a light on the horizon. I love these lines from the Lord of the Rings. Sam and Frodo, just to put us in the context, are, are in Mordor on their way to Mount Doom on their great task of destroying the power uh, that, that's against them. They're in the, the darkest juncture of their journey through Mordor. And we read this. Sam Gamgee, uh, his, Frodo's great um, colleague by his side. There, 
peeping through the cloud rack above a dark tor high up in the mountain, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. These are some of the greatest lines in Tolkien's masterpiece, uh, The Lord of the Rings. And notice uh, a couple of, of lines in this great passage. He looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. The thought pierced him. In the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. This light and high beauty surpasses it all. And I believe that that's what Paul is, tr- is telling us here in verse 18. The sufferings and the shadows and the darkness of this present time are not even worth comparing to the glory, the light, the brilliance that is to be re- revealed to us. So the shadows and the darkness, um, the shadows and darkness and light of the glory that is coming are only a passing thing. And this is our hope, my friends, that there is something glorious, something fulfilled that awaits us in our world. But we must learn, and this is the first um, part of learning to live in hope, we have to learn to lift up, to look up and lift our eyes beyond the shadow. And that's the first challenge we face in our dark world. To learn to live in hope, our second challenge is to, to trust God's purpose and plan of freedom, both for us and for this world. And we see in verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Verse 21, that the created, creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul is opening up for us here a window that there's hope not only for us, but also for the created world. And he invites us to, to look forward to the accomplishment of God's freedom plan both for us and for our world. So I'm going to take a little bit of a detour for just a, a few minutes and talk about uh, the, this vision of creation, this, this uh, theology. Uh, there's some beautiful truth here about, that helps us uh, establish a theology of ecological stewardship. So let me, let me touch on a few points uh, before we come back to our learning to live in hope. First of all, we see that in this passage that creation is broken. Verse 20, the creation is subject to futility. And that word means that it can't accomplish what it was designed to do. It was designed to give life. It was designed to give beauty and joy. And we still see signs of that all around us. But there's a, there's a, there are boundaries placed on creation. And other scriptures talk about the curse that was placed on creation. Sometimes when we listen to the, the news and maybe to, to certain people who talk about our world and about our environment, that, that, that man is the curse on the world. And that, that if only we get mankind out of the picture, then, or humankind out of the picture, then the world would be, a good, would be a great place. But that's just not true. That's just not true. God has, himself has placed limits and limitations on this world. It's subject to corruption and bondage. The diseases and blights on our world reflect that. So we see that creation is broken. We see the second truth of, our, of this theology of, of ecological stewardship, 
we see in verse 21 that creation itself will be set free from this, its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So God has a plan to set creation free, to release this world, to become what God intended it to be. The scriptures talk about a new heavens and a new earth, but really the, the greater truth, it's a renewed heavens and a renewed earth. God will not replace this world, but he'll restore this world to all that it was designed to be. And this is part of God's great plan to set creation free. And the third point in this theology of ecological stewardship is that our freedom and creation's freedom are linked. So the creation itself will be set free, in verse 21, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So our freedom and creation's freedom are inextricably linked. That's a beautiful thought. We know that all that God plans to do in this world and with this world is with us. He involves us in his great plan of redemption. So much that Jesus himself became a man in order to, to win this redemption for humankind. He invites us to partners with him. And this, this passage talks about eschatology. It talks about the vision of the end times of God fulfilling his purposes for creation. And when we have a vision of God's fulfillment of what he desires for creation, it's not an invitation to sit back and, and watch God do it. It's an invitation to become partners with him in seeing that come to pass. We recognize that ultimately only God can do, it, can do this. Only God can, can set the world free. But as he sets the world free, he wants to involve us because as he sets us free, he will also set creation free. So when we work toward greening the earth, toward preserving endangered species, toward limiting the, the destruction of invasive species, toward sust sustainable agriculture, uh, greater productivity, we're working toward the freedom of creation. We keep praying your name, your kingdom, your will, but we're involved in that as we pray that God would heal this broken world, we must also be involved in its healing. So this is an encouragement for us to get to have a rich theology and a rich involvement in our created world. So let's go back now to this um, uh, call to live in hope. We've seen that we need to look up and out of the forsaken land. We need to be able to lift our eyes to God's promises for the future, both for us and our world. We need to trust God's purposes and his plan. He has a plan. He has a purpose for creation for us. And now we need to believe that there is meaning and suffering, uh, in suffering and in waiting. And Paul talks about this waiting, this longing, this suffering that we're part of as, as the pains of childbirth in verse 22. And that's a, a pain, of course, uh, we as men know nothing about, but the pain of childbirth is, is a beautiful image because you realize that there's something, there's life coming from this pain. There's a child at the end of this uh, suffering. And in many ways, the, the suffering we face in this world is a, is a picture of God birthing something in us and through us. We don't always see it on this side of glory. We may, we may suffer and, and 
and have struggles in this world that, where we don't see the birth, we don't see the result, we don't see the ultimate significance of the suffering, but we believe that God is using this for some purpose. And that, that believing that our suffering has meaning, uh, our suffering has a purpose, is something that helps us live in hope. We also learn to live in hope by experiencing the grieving and the loss. So this again, is, this passage invites us to not to escape the world, not to live above our problems, but to live within them, to feel the brokenness, to feel the grieving that comes through the loss of a loved one, that comes through struggles with debilitating diseases, with aging. The, this passage calls us to enter into that grieving, to groan inwardly in verse 22 as we wait. And this is a, this is a, uh, a very significant understanding of our Christian life. We don't, God doesn't lift us out of the struggle. He walks with us in the struggle. And he invites us to enter into that. He himself was the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he invites us to walk with him and learn from him. And finally, as we learn to live in hope, we wait for what we do not yet see. For in this hope we were saved, verse 24, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And this is perhaps is the greatest challenge of all, living by faith, living not by seeing, living in hope that God will accomplish his purposes. Even when we look all around us and we see no signs of that purpose being accomplished. Living by sight is much easier. We can have so much more control, more confidence. But this hard lesson of, of learning to wait, of not panicking, of, of, of trusting God, of learning to turn to him in the dark times, of finding that star that is higher than the darkness around us, is what Paul calls us to in this passage. But as we face these challenges, I want us to end on the, the greatest resource of all. And Paul continues in this passage in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Lord knows that this struggle is beyond us. He knows that it's more than our human capacity can bear. And he gives us the helper. He gives us the Spirit of God to walk with us in the shadowed valley. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If 
you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.